This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey, movie lovers. Welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at Popcorn Talk. Today, we travel all the way back in time to Elizabethan times where her versus Mary, Queen of Scots, dueled it out. Not physically, but certainly mentally. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are doing Mary, Queen of Scots, starring Margot Robbie and Sushi Ronan. Sheep Shiver. Uh, she has a close lot of enough. different... Close <laughs> enough. I will... There's a great video on Wired's um, YouTube channel where Saoirse Ronan explains how to say her name, and still, I don't know how to say her name. So I apologize. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. I'm Phil Svitek. And as mentioned, we are talking about the movie. Now, for those of you joining us for the very first time, take note that we are not just a movie review show. Yes, we will give our thoughts and opinions. We're going to discuss the plot lines therein. We're going to... But we also go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about the historical context. And furthermore, we're going to talk about how this movie got made, the behind the scenes, all that good stuff, culminating into, a, in this case, not a big box office because it's still very limited release. We are lucky enough that we've gotten to see it before it goes into wide release. But we're going to kind of talk about it, how it we feel it can contend against, um, you know, in the awards season. So that's what you have to look forward to. By that nature, by that description... You can kind of tell that it's going to be spoiler-filled a little bit. But if you know the history, then uh, then it won't be as spoilerly. Spoiler-y. None, but nonetheless, you have been warned. And lastly, if you want to follow along with us, we do have a PDF that you can click. It's in the description box. and has all of our various notes that sometimes we don't get to all the time, but we will certainly draw from. So without further ado, Marissa, overall thoughts on Mary, Queen of Scots? Um, Wow. Hmm. Wow, in a good way, because it's so great to see two women apart, especially back then in this time where it's such a man's world. I mean, it still is today, unfortunately. But these two women of Regency power, just how they go about living their lives, how they go about um, the society and all the the duties that they have to do and all the political strife that they have to go through, um, I, I applaud them. And I... Admittedly, I don't really know any story and the backstory of Mary Stewart. So it's interesting to see her life and what she went through. We really know Queen Elizabeth. I mean, she she's iconic in, in the figure in that sense. But I never really realized how those two lined up just in the timeline. And I love how this movie put things into better understanding and comprehension for me. It's It was great to see these two actresses just mentally go at it, even though... We feel watching the whole film, they're kind of always together somewhat on the same like wavelength mm-hmm. in the same parts of their lives like really line up, but yet they only share one scene. And it's crazy because it just shows like how well and how in symbiotic sense that they were and yet weren't. Mm-hmm. And it, it was great to see these two women and like these actresses are fantastic alone put them together really. yeah the, the ironically enough um one of the things that made me appreciate this movie a lot more is that i knew a little bit of the backstory now of all places cw's reign 
gave me that backstory, which wasn't a historically accurate TV show by any means, but nonetheless, it gave me enough of the broad strokes to to understand Darnley's full context and the Lennoxes and you know even John Knox and so forth. Not that you didn't get it in this movie, but I just appreciate that I had that sense of going into it, so mm-hmm. I, I could in, more enjoy it than have to process it in the moment. And what I did process was how hard it was for both of them to be rulers. I mean, for any woman at that time to be in power was astronomical. And for them, you could tell that they, in essence, could and would have wanted to be friends. It just it, it just didn't match up, you know? And that that was the hard part about it. Like, logistically, it didn't make sense for them to be friends. Yeah, you know? All, all things considered, they just could not be friends. Um, and yet, as time goes by they grow into a further isolation because of the men around them and the only people that they have is themselves and again the the one thing that they want they cannot have yeah. that is uh that is the true travesty of all of it and i you know for for all it's worth i appreciated the main focus being on mary um but i, I felt there was a good balance with having elizabeth and and the times that they gave her in the movie where it wasn't just purely a merry movie, you know? No, and I liked how Granny, she is, I mean, the movie's called Mary Queen of Scots, so she's going to be the main focus. Um, but I liked how it showed how her life paralleled with Queen Elizabeth, how it just paralleled with how what everything went on just in in England, in Scotland, at, at that time where, where we had the rebellions, the wars, why they went to war. Um, and it just puts things in a better, better perspective of how we understand just the historical context of everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, let's give some historical context to the movie aspect of it, right? So this goes back quite a bit. In, in fact, uh, Scarlett Johansson, even in the mid-2000s, was slated to do this movie, but it just wasn't to be. And so then in 2012, um, that's when kind of things picked up. Sarsi Ronan got involved now that's 2012 we are living in 2018 mm-hmm. so even even with her signed on it still took a while to to get here and it wasn't really until 2016 that that things really started to take off and um we got the movie that we in essence did but it uh, um the nice part is it gave sarcy ronan that time to really study the character and appreciate her right and it helps that shersha is the age now in real life that Queen Mary was when she ruled. So it, it really puts her into the the literal steps of being someone of that age ruling and being the character. And, and I like when you can tell when an actor had time to mull over their characters, had time to fully develop like everything that they're going to put into their characters. And you saw that. When I when I was watching this film I would wasn't watching Shersha, I was watching Queen Mary Scott's trying to rule everybody, or, or more so rule herself. And I think it was amazing. Yeah. And when you look at it from that perspective, that's Margot Robbie did have some reservations for the role simply because she didn't know if she could carry it out, but um, she kept getting inquired, let's just say. And after a while, she was like, okay, let's do it. And I think she does an equally magnificent job with it. Um, and whatnot. And I, I think that what's interesting is the duality where Elizabeth keeps saying, uh, court has made me a man, whereas Mary, I think, retains her womanhood just mm-hmm. in, in spite of everything that may have happened. Yeah, and I like the two differences because we see Mary, she uses her femininity and her womanhood as her tool for power. She's like, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't do anything as well as you guys. And I, I love that mentality. And we see why she survives so long on her, like kind of by herself um, against all these people. And when you, on the flip side with Queen Elizabeth, you see why she has survived because she has assimilated herself and her associated herself more as men so she could also survive. So the, the different mentalities that both of these women had just to keep working and keep surviving in the political aspect that they were. It's it's interesting. It is. And I go to, a, this is kind of, let's say, three quarters into the movie, where 
Mary says to her brother, and I forget the other guy's name. Um, she says, like, how many times have you told me I can't do something and I've proved you wrong? Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, Elizabeth talks to her ambassador and she says, how many talks have you had and what has it led to? So, you know, the, the, the interesting angle of it being that Mary has ruled under her way and gotten to certain results. But in the long term of things, uh, it was her downfall, as, as Elizabeth says to her, your strengths are also your greatest weaknesses. Um, and in that respect, Elizabeth lost her humanity, let's say, um, certainly her womanhood. She her was, identity. But she has kept her throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's when you, when you look at it from that perspective, like, I'm trying to find a perspective that isn't quite sad. <laughs> no, it, and it's it's really unfortunate that that's how, what, those are the things that they had to do just to make it in mm-hmm. the the work world that they were in. Yeah, and you know the other aspect of it is, um, so this this was directed by a woman. I'm, I'm very glad it was uh, Josie Rourke. Yeah, uh, this is her feature debut, by the way. She was known for doing plays and so forth, um, but she handled it with such care. And the way they describe th- things in general, sex, um, in terms of pleasure, was different. It, it was more about sex as a means to something it was almost mm-hmm. like a chore like that was your duty because you had to produce an heir and the way they went about it um it's just interesting to kind of view it from that perspective because we see a lot of sides of sex we some you know early on we see some uh, it's not sex 100 percent, but it's 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 pleasure certainly mm-hmm. um we see violent sex uh we see loveless sex mm-hmm um, we see leisurely sex when, when it came to the men sleeping with each other. Yeah. Um, and we even saw, like, uh, you know, adultery to an mm-hmm. extent, you know? Certainly, like, I look at Elizabeth and um, Dudley. Yeah. And I, I believe Shirsha mentioned in an interview that sex back then and, and just sexuality was way more fluid. Um mm-hmm. From person to person, but also you have to remember that because they are in a position of monarchy and regency, that most majority of the time, sex was mostly just to produce an heir to keep the the line going for the bloodline going. Um, and now we feel just in today's modern society, sex is mostly for pleasure, mm-hmm. not for the duty of like keeping a family, you know, line going. Um, so it's just the differences of what sex meant back then and how it was used and how it was portrayed. It's, it's like such a different mentality. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's got to be a fine balance ultimately between the two. It shouldn't just be, you know, I think, I think there's a human side to it too that's beyond just pleasure. But at, at the same token, like, it was, int- it was very awkward to to watch it. I almost felt like one of the sisters outside the door at times. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 I guess what made it more awkward is unlike them who probably had an idea of what was actually happening, I did know what was happening because the movie showed me. Right. Um so from that that perspective, I ironic, I can't think of one sex scene with Elizabeth though. Unless I'm mistaken. No, because they made it and and it's known that Elizabeth never married, never produced children. Never, like, and they there was a moniker for it, like Virgin Mary. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Vir- Virgin uh, Elizabeth, and in and, and that sense, because she she never married, so like it doesn't actually make sense to see her with a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know from that perspective, too, when you talk about like sex as pleasure, marriage really was also quite different from that. Marriage was not for love. It was all about strengthening alliances and and so mm-hmm. forth, and what started off maybe for um f- for Mary and Darnley, the fact that they could have had a, a romantic relationship just quickly spiraled into nothingness, and and at that point, you know, what are you left with? Oh, that was painful, <laughs> painful because we're led to believe that it he did actually on some level care for her. But then when you just see the characters and true colors come out, you're like, oh, no, this is toxic. And you just feel bad for her because Mary, 
in the end, still ends up by herself. Yeah. And now she's going against him because he betrayed her in so many ways. Emotions, loyalty, killing her best friend. Oh. And in spite of that, she she had the wherewithal. She She's like, he, he's still my husband, and I, I gave him my loyalty. So she, it's not... It'd be one thing if she ordered the murder on him. It wasn't her. And that that's... When you really look at it from that way, you, you, interestingly enough, we don't see we don't see Francis and her relationship with Francis. Um, but that was when she was least experienced. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we do kind of get mention of it of like it didn't last that long, and it just seems like with every. But I, I I almost imagine that relationship to be the most loving, and in some ways beneficial. Again, I'd love to see it from the eyes of this movie, but with each progression by by the time we get to bothwell there's no love there there's yeah. there's, there's no nothing yeah and i'm glad we didn't spend it just in movie time and spend a lot of time with him because it'd be we at this point we're so connected to mary and anything that wrong that happens to her we just feel for her and the moment that he already forced her to abdicate and be in a marriage, you're like, oh, girl, this is even worse than your last marriage that you had. But it also just shows how great of a person Mary was because she was such a devout Catholic. She was so loyal. And within Catholicism, and I'm Catholic, so I can speak to this, it's usually like you're married, you made a commitment, and it's till death do you part. And she always waited until her husband technically died. So she never cheated. So I don't like, and I give her that for being the devout Catholic where she did stick to the actual rules of commitment of a marriage. And But boy, did that work against her. It did. I mean, to, to have your second husband killed by your third husband. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing, you know, um, at the end of the day, like Mary almost gave everyone a common enemy and everyone was like, you know, all the men were having hushed whispers throughout court of like, blah, 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 this about Mary. But it, it felt very much like I, I was very curious of if if it wasn't her, you guys would still find something to bitch about. Mm-hmm. It's not like John Knox was friendly with anyone else. No. You know, I don't. I don't think I. I, I can't see him and uh, Bothwell going out for a round of beers or something like that. Heck no. <laughs> or even James. No, but it also shows that they were really. And this is going to sound terrible. I apologize, but there were hardly any guys or any men in this movie that were likable, except for the best friend, who unfortunately gets slaughtered. Um, mm. it's it's hard to pick out a guy that you actually liked. Well, even him, I, I think it was. There was that very important I, – I say important scene because he's trying on, like, the women's clothes. And mm-hmm. she Mary tells him, like, you know, be who you are with us. And so I think it just goes to show he was more feminine than masculine. And that's why he yeah. – you say that, I think. Sodomy. <laughs> um, and he – you know, he he had no station in life really. And so let's just put it this way. If they could, the guys wished Mary could have a similar murder like they did to him. But they had to go about it a little bit differently. A little bit differently. Um, but, man, her her best friend, uh, I'm trying to remember his name right now. Uh, it was awful because he was he was arguably, like, the most likable guy, even though he was more feminine than everybody else. But David Rizzo. Yeah. Riz, Rizzio. Sorry. Rizzio. Um, we liked him, and then the way that he was killed was so brutal and merciless. Um, it was terrible to see. We were witnesses while Mary was a witness, and the people who were involved with it, it was her husband that signed off on it. And it's, it's even more terrible because we can tell that the husband, Darnley, also liked him. Just mm-hmm. from man to man. And that was painful because that was... Uh, such a betrayal in in so many different ways in friendship and just in love. Yeah, and she forgave him too. She still forgave him. All these people, she found a way to forgive. Um, which I thought she you... was laying in his arms, literally like hours later. Like, how could you? So I, I applaud Mary. She's a better person than I would have been. 
And and I I, I want to talk about the brother for for a moment because when you talk about that bond, there there was such a love there from her to him, and she like she when they're walking through and she's talking about how he used to hold her. Um, and how she wants that for her son, you know, for him to love him the same way she, he loved her. Um, and he breaks down into those tears. And I thought that was a very heartfelt moment. And then, you know, a couple scenes later, he's doing quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's painful because when we see Donnie, at, admittedly at the beginning of the film, I was kind of rude for him. You mean James? I- James, sorry, yeah. um, all these names, <laughs> names, James. But it's it, it's just so unfortunate because we there are still like glimmers of hopes in some of the characters, and then and you can see where like he has done wrong, begged for forgiveness, she has forgiven, and then he does wrong again. Um, it's very human and and realistic in that way, but even. Still at the end, how it turned out, the relationship still strained. Well, very strange, and it's not like the things he did were just like minor misdemeanors. This was major stuff, and you know, one of the things that he neglects very early on when when they have their um, civil war, right? The first one. Mm-hmm. There's, there's that great moment where Bothwell is about to essentially chop sl- off his head. <laughs> yeah, and she makes that very conscious decision to call it there. And not have that happen. But she looks at him and she says, like, just so you know, I did. I chose this. Mm-hmm. And I chose to not have this happen to you. So you're welcome. Uh, and the fact that he never takes it in that way is is, is, is sad. I really like that scene because it was very telling in a lot of ways. Because also just the, the placement and the blocking of it. Because she's on top of a hill, so she's physically above him. And the fact that she has the power to call the Civil War to the point where it could have killed her own brother, yet she also had the power to call it off and save his life all within a matter of seconds. It's like she has such a higher hand than he does. And and I really liked it because it just shows like in one instant call she could have ended his life. And yet she still kept forgiving him and taking him back. Yeah. Absolutely. And oh, Mary. If I had one sort of nitpick with the movie, it's that since we focused so much heavily on Mary and her ambition was to unite England and Scotland, she didn't accomplish that. But then the line ends with, like, I hope my my son does. And then we get the um, little text that says he, bas- he basically did do that. He did. Um, I felt that if that was just a little bit strengthened, I think it could have worked. Um, what we did get was she, she obviously loved her son very much so, and that in itself was one of the... It just got more tragic and tragic as things went along. She can't even be with her son. Yeah, and I mean, it's not the first time. We see it in other television shows or in, in movies and stuff that depict the the actual monarchy line. It's just like usually they always have to protect the, the son because they're the next one in line to, to be the heir. So you always see them sending off their first, second, third sons away just um, in hiding so no one can kill them and assassinate them and, and end their line. So it is unfortunate. You you see how much she loves her son, but also how much she loves her country that she had to send him away just to save his life. And then, you know, it's an interesting point that you bring up because remember her with her sisters and she's like let's just go back like you know it's just land essentially the sister tells her and she's like no it's my country mm-hmm. and she she know through and through from day one to all the way to the end she feels a sense of patriotism and that she will not let go of it yeah and i'm, I'm glad that james ruled that he did something that she could not but like she paid the price yet he um, ultimately won in the end, but she paid the dues for it. Yeah, well, you know, in that sense, it, it had to get there, right? I mean, unfortunately, it had to be a guy. Mm-hmm. Just this world at that day and age was just not accepting of a woman. No. Um, they're more cruel t- towards women. And, well, they're also cruel towards guys, too, especially if they produce male heirs. They're they're after the sons first because that's how you immediately end the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
You know, it was a very, very interesting time. Um, like part of, you know, when you look at it, part of why Elizabeth felt so threatened was because England, while it was a major power, they had a lot of things that they had to take care of. They just were involved in a war. And when you do have power, people are always asking you for help. And, um, you know, the Spanish fleets were were kind of becoming stronger and stronger and so forth. So, you know, as England, their biggest commodity was their navy. It, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, necessarily their troops and so forth. And mm-hmm. when that's being threatened, it's... I don't think there was ever a good day if I looked... I don't know. Maybe I have a very grim view of, of that medieval times, but didn't seem that happy. Well, no. I think any part of Regency and any part being in the, the monarch line is... That's not a business you want to get into. Um, but once you're in it, it's it's literally survival of how to stay in it. Yeah. Well, and I... I if nothing else, this movie made me appreciate our modern day in society simply because, like, yes, you can talk, you can look at it from the perspective of having political power, but then also if you're a peasant, mm-hmm. <laughs> your life is not that much better either. So pick your poison type of situation. Right. You also just feel for Mary because we know she's the rightful heir by blood, um, mm-hmm. and yet she had to fight the hardest to stay her ground and prove her um her actual legitimacy against people who weren't and that's what's unfortunate because we know she's the rightful heir yes she shouldn't have to work this hard yeah well yeah they're they're just not because she's a woman they pushed harder well that and also like there's there's a lot of stuff going on it it was that but she's also catholic Mm -hmm. and against protestants and she's in foreign territory too, so she had to fight harder in that sense. Yeah, and I know like the the Catholic Church did have like basically, if you needed funding, the Catholic Church was your bank at that point in time. Um, which you know, I'm not saying it was, but you can certainly view it to you can make the argument. Certainly, John Knox did and would that you know that that's that's corrupt, mm-hmm. and so. You know, Mary represents the good side of Catholicism, but but there's certainly a bad side to it. You know, people people in whatever fashion are good and they're evil. Yeah, but the business side of it, like she represents the morality, the good moral moral sense of Catholicism, but also they shed light on the bad business side yeah. of Catholicism. Uh, absolutely. So, and, and that was tough to take because you saw those glimpses. Uh, we were just talking about the battle versus the brother um as they're walking there's that great moment of like the the guy from where he is oh he's a protestant but he's like i'm happy to serve under you mm-hmm. and that was a great moment because it's like at the end of the day we, we're we're one country yeah and she's just a good person in general you can tell because you always saw like i can't count how many times we actually saw her take the initiative to get on a freaking horse and go to wherever she needed to be Fight alongside her actual men that are working for her. We only saw Elizabeth on a horse once. And it was only only to meet Mary. It was never to fight. It was never to be in the war, in the trenches with her, her people. It was only to meet someone. Um, so it always just showed Mary took the initiative to actually fight <clears throat> legitimately with her people for her country. And two points there. Number one, Elizabeth makes that very deliberate choice she says when 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 she gives the order to go ahead with the civil war she says i don't want to know anything about it mm-hmm. which you know so like not only does she not want to be there she doesn't even care to read about it she turns the other cheek um and so, mary's there <laughs> yeah so secondly let, let's let's talk about that meeting a very infamous meeting that never actually happened that never happened but as they kind of say from from that perspective it just it from a cinematic standpoint, you need them to meet. Um, it it just felt right, and that that became kind of the crux of it. And the way they they were firing on all cylinders between dialogue, which I would attribute to the writing, between the direction, which I would attribute to the cinematography, and and of course um, the director, and then the acting, the way they they played it off. 
Damn. Yeah. I mean, it was a trifecta of amazingness just in this one pure scene. Because the whole movie, we and as a viewer, I was like, when are they ever going to actually share the screen together? I thought for sure they because I knew they never met. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess we're just going to get letters. See, in me not knowing the history, I was like, they have to meet once. With all the, the letter correspondence, it was like, it makes sense that they only met at least once. And so I'm watching the film, I was like, when are they going to meet? And finally, when we get it, it was just done so eloquently. Um, it was kind of bittersweet, but beautiful at the same time. And knowing the fact afterwards that that was Margot Robbie's last day, Shersha's first day, to be on like different, even emotional planes um, and work-wise to make it somewhat in sync, was amazing as actresses. Yeah, they they nailed that, and that was their first time seeing. That was their first time working on that day, but it was also their first time seeing each other. When when they have that reaction of like, oh, this is what you look like. That was pure. <laughs> that was real time, real life reaction because it was Margot's choice to actually not see Shersha during the filming. Um, she purposely kept her distance to add to the to the um, character development. And it makes sense because when you see them, that is a real-time first-take reaction of them first seeing each other in makeup and in costume and in character. And But it's believable. It translates on screen that this is the first meeting when, really, it was. Yeah, and, it, and it's so unfortunate... Um... You know, in real life, Mary, she was known for her beauty. And that's such a, like, the way Elizabeth took, takes off the wig and you can just see, like, she's been beaten down. Sickness has beaten her, but then also men and so forth. And that's why she looks a little bit androgynous towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I loved how Elizabeth did have the the moment of realization. She's like, I was jealous. I was jealous mm-hmm. of your youth, beauty, power, and all that. And her Mary's legitimacy to the actual throne where Elizabeth has had to work her way to where she is. Um, You do feel for her in that sense because she has lost a lot physically, emotionally, her identity, especially when she said she's more of a man than anything. Um, And you feel for Elizabeth because also we just watched this whole movie about what Mary went through, but we hardly actually really see what Elizabeth has gone through. I mean, besides the smallpox and stuff, but she Elizabeth has already been in a position of power for so long. And um, I think Margot did a great job. I think she did too. And ultimately, like when I look at Elizabeth, uh, certainly from the movie's perspective, she she was just too, she succumbed to this idea of what what was best for Britain, um, as dictated by her Privy Council. Because I think there was a third option she was not seeing that Mary was, and she just wasn't accepting of it. You know, like, I think, I think, had it gone Mary's way, they could have become friends and, and they they could have been allies. But um, even then, you know, you could tell Elizabeth wants to help Mary, but she imprisons her, and eventually. She has to kill her. She she's given no other choice. Like and that that final letter of like, hey, you know, no matter what happens, like I have to do this. I have to act upon this, um, and that's also this is where I really had a frustration with the movie. I mean, overall, I really did enjoy this film, but just as a general viewer, and again, not knowing the history, I felt like so cheated that we didn't see the actual. Um, trying the 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 political coup that Mary tries to overthrow her in that sense. I wanted to see that because we we get to the point where Elizabeth finally just uh, on a civil note agrees to protect her, but at a distance. And then we skip all these years, legitimately fade skip years to the point where now you're going to get beheaded. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? Just as a viewer, I was like, now. Show me what she did, so you get the actual call to behead her. Well, let me ask you this: Did you, as you're watching, did you really think Mary had anything to actually do with that? Because I think that there, um, John Knox, and this part of history is a little bit unclear to me, and that that was a historical expert to begin with. But John Knox, a lot of times, did 
bad things in the name of Mary and good things in the name of John Knox. So what I think it, as I interpreted the movie, whether it was John Knox or somebody else, someone did bad in the name of Mary, quote unquote, uh, when Mary had nothing to do with it, but because there's traces that lead to her, Elizabeth has to, and she know. I, I think she knows better that that this is a farce, mm-hmm. that this was a plot to frame Mary. But because of all the all the pressures, she has no choice but to do what's Just quote unquote needed. Out. Yeah. Um, having watched the film, and now we're at the end of it. Like, I don't believe it is in Mary's character to overthrow. Elizabeth, after she's spent so many years trying to form a friendship, why would she now try to overthrow her? Um, I didn't believe that Mary did. But when you say when it was like John Knox doing things under the guise that is Mary, it makes me feel even more for Mary that people just use her name. And yet she's the one who paid. Yeah. Yeah, But I did appreciate how, how she went out. You know, and the, there's that line from both men, like, what does she think? She's a martyr? Well, she went out she her is. own terms. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she chose how she was going to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily, like, it's not like she signed up to be beheaded, but she was going to do it. If that was her fate, then she was going to have a smile on and she was going to do it, at, you know, whatever whatever things that she could control in that situation, she was going to do it. Yeah, and I know just from, like, other... Um historical monarchy lines and, and what have you that sometimes they do give you the choice of how you want to die mm-hmm. um like uh that i know someone i'm forgetting the name but like w- there's one instance where someone like decided to be drowned in wine it's like so I, I don't know if this was like mary's choice to be beheaded unless that was actually elizabeth's particular choice be like you're going to get beheaded not hung or what have you like this is your version of execution yeah i think i think at a certain point england just got a like people became obsessed with beheading instead of hangings and so forth so the guillotine is a popular choice the french invented that Mm -hmm. to make uh make killing a little bit smoother yep um there's your history lesson right there uh, we create a lot of good in the world. Not we, but like the, the, the humanity we. But they, and... they used an axe for her, so that was... Ugh. Thanks. Oh, yes. Thanks. Yep. Perfect timing on that one. All right. Um, let's talk about the editing, because at, at the top, when you mentioned your overall thoughts, you, you you felt emotionally they were very connected. And, well, it's because they made a very conscious effort to do so. Mm-hmm. The inner cutting, you know, when they when they showed a portion of Mary, they wanted to play a similar aspect from Elizabeth's side. So you know, you got that feeling, and like like you felt like they, when the ha- they got to meet, <laughs> they have to they're because they're somewhat in the, like the same parts of their lives or this. Um, and I did like the the parallel and juxtaposition between both of them, where there's a moment where we see Mary announces that she's pregnant, and then we cut to Elizabeth, and there's literally the birth of a horse, or birth of a stallion, and then like we we cut back to a moment where Mary finally gives birth, and then literally cuts from blood from Mary to the fl- red flowers from Elizabeth in like the same. Um, same style and so I, I liked how they they cut back enough and like they're like similar type of cuts um where you can understand that they are linked just in same points of their lives yeah they just had this telepathy you know they they mm-hmm. knew what the other was doing ultimately i now i want to turn it over to you for wardrobe because i appreciate the wardrobe but i also appreciate that you can speak a lot more eloquently to it than I can. Yeah. Well, uh, Alexandra Burns, uh, she she worked on Elizabeth movie with uh, Kate Blanchett um, years ago. So she is no stranger to the the Elizabethan times. But she talked about the, the different wardrobes that she wanted to choose for this because she knew that they were going to be out in the weather, outside in the rain and whatnot. So they wanted actual material that could wear over time but and still look warm but still also be usable so she chose a lot of denim which is uh per, you wouldn't think because historically denim's like not the biggest choice back then but denim ages well 
mm-hmm. and um, you can get a lot of use out of out of denim. So she she chose denim for uh, for the men. She wanted them to be sexy, and the Liz and um, the the fabric was mostly denim. Which mm-hmm. is interesting. For Mary, she wanted uh, the color red because uh, if Catholic martyrdom, definitely red. And uh, the the dress was, um, as I read the, sorry, my notes, the Elizabeth's dressing was more strategic. She says she was in control of the power of her appearance and used her appearance to replace the iconography of the Virgin Mary in Protestant England and gave her specific outfits for specific occasions. And so they used red and orange to match in denim at the same time um, to for the orange rust from armor. So a lot of, because we always see Mary out, out outside and with the, with the soldiers and stuff. So uh, they, they had to like match the colors mm-hmm. um, for her and the wardrobe for the men. Absolutely. And I, I, I thought it definitely was, a, it seemed like a very realistic portrayal, you know, um, the men looked, even though they were lords and so forth, noble they still had dirt and so forth and and the and the Brits were a little bit or the the English more specifically were a little bit more polished than the Scottish you know who kind of had more open lands and so forth whereas in in England <coughs> everything seemed a lot more grander at the time <coughs> yeah and Alexandra said that she purposely chose like really lavish dresses for Mary when she's out in public but then when she's in private with her like handmaidens or in her bedroom and stuff, they're usually like looser fitted clothes because she's the type of person who would like once you take off, you know, the dress, she she's like more of unbutton your pants and just let loose. Yeah. So they, they chose like um, silk kind of wardrobes for her. Absolutely. In the bedroom. Let's now talk about the music because I really appreciate the music. I think they, they went to great lengths. Um, Max Richter uh, did the score for this. They went to great lengths to have instruments of the time. And not only that, they sounded very epic, larger than life. You know, this, this these women, in a sense, are larger than life. Um, and when you talk about the connective tissue of, of it all, when you go from one scene to the next, and the, the music undercuts it where, where you have the same emotional feel to it mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was a great device I really enjoyed the music I think the, the moment that like when I first really noticed it was when they first cut to Elizabeth's castle that mm-hmm. she's in and they there's like this overhead shot of just like zoom in and on the castle this is where she lives and it was also music swell um, it, it was so well done because they use English horns and also they a sort of electronic cloud of violence for some of the more coloristic sequences but when they go to battle in the war you always actually see the drums so they they use a a, a lot of constant beat of field drums to foreshadow mary's eventual fate yeah and I, I thought that was very effective because i mean drums keep a beat drums and the faster you get with the drum you know your heart speeds up and so the battle scenes themselves are already intense uh and then you know the the marching of a of drums to signify like a funeral you're like oh well, that's that's deep and depressing and ironically one of the things that they talked about was the the climax of the movie is not a battle like let's say you know they they might say like a, a male director would probably push it towards no it was a very one-on-one into the, as we Mm-hmm. The, the scene which where we they went. finally meet yeah that's the climax of the movie absolutely so um so very interesting choices and I, and I appreciate how it all came together um so this movie has been out for a week now when i say a week it's very limited <laughs> um so so when we talk about box office there really isn't that much to talk about if we you know we'd be doing a disservice it did have a budget of 25 million and I think as time goes by, I think I think it'll make that back. It's not not the highest score on on Rotten Tomatoes, sixty five, which I don't understand why. 
Right, and that's that's fairly low, and it's also unfortunate because it is still so limited right now. I wonder when they, and if they actually release it wide, if that'll boost the score, because I guarantee you not a lot of women have seen this film. And this is definitely, not to say it's a woman film, but this appeals more to the female demographic than it is to the males who are actually ra- uh, rating this on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I, I don't get it. I, I really think it's, I think it has a good message. Um, I think it it makes you introspect your own sort of aspect of life, uh, regardless of if you're male, female. And ultimately, as I said earlier, I'm glad to walk away being like, uh, you know what, as, as troubling as times are, I'm glad we're not living in those times. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's awful to live in those times. But I think it does do a good service having two strong female leads in this film, also directed by a female, so it's, so it's not like a man took over this. Like It was treated by a woman, you can definitely tell. You can yeah. see how they treated women, and there was respect you can see the level of respect for the women in these positions. And I think it did a good job. It's beautiful, but also heartbreaking and wrenching at the same time. Um, And there is a good balance. Granted, the film does not end on a happy note. So that might be why the score is kind of low, because it doesn't leave you with a good feeling at all. But it tries to, it tries to where like she couldn't do this, but James, but James did. Yeah. But emotion-wise, you're you're just in a state. You're like, well, crap. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I I can see why people didn't like it for that sense because I think a lot of people love feel-good movies. You know, <laughs> I do. But um, it's a beautiful film. And one of the aspects when you look at it, uh, two great actresses, yes, and they were both in contention, uh, whether for for Itania and mm-hmm. Lady Bird, right? Yeah. So they're they're very strong actresses, and what I appreciate about this is that the fact that there there's a sense like, listen, we both at the time made great movies. Now we're let's make a great movie together. Mm-hmm. So rather than be catty about it against and, each other, yeah, it's like you know let's let's do this great movie. And and the only travesty as far as anything else is that they don't have more shared scenes together. But that was. You know, the fact that they shoehorned in one already is, is yeah. fantastic. They already run against historical context and mm-hmm. historical accuracy just to have this one scene together. But I don't mind that at all because yeah. it's earned. It, it's it's earned and they knew. And it's also, it's it's in keeping with the spirit in the sense that this, like the correspondences that did happen between them probably would be very similar to what they interacted with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was just more immediate face-to-face um, and all that. So let's let's talk about um, the the awards it is up for so far. Um, so we got Screen Actors Guild Award. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role. That's for Margot Robbie. Uh, do you think she'll get that one? Um, I would like for her to get it because she got a lot of individual attention for I, Tanya, mostly for the acting choices. And this one, Hollywood loves a transformation. Yeah. I mean, think of all the actors who have gone through transformation and won Academy Awards. Like, uh, Gary Oldman just won Best Actor for playing Winston Churchill, but he went through a heavy prosthetic makeup process for that. They, Charlize Theron... Um, she got makeup for playing Eileen for uh, uh, Monster. She mm-hmm. won Academy Award for that. Nicole Kidman. I mean, the list goes on and on. Nicole went for Virginia Woolf, and she only wore like a nose for that. Um, but Hollywood loves a transformation type of process to get into a character. So I think that definitely helps Margot just for recognition in that sense. It's interesting that uh, she's nominated, but... Sashi Ronan is not. Shears is not. So it's interesting, but um, I I think she could get it. So kudos there. Um, Max Richter did already get honored for the Hollywood Music and Media Award that was in uh, November of this year. So kudos to him. I think as far as costuming and and production design, it has a chance to really be nominated for some stuff yeah. as far as Oscars and take some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alexandra has worked on Elizabeth 
one and two, which that movie, or like those movies, got a lot of recognition during Academy Awards season two. So she has a good good chance. Yeah, I I think you know with a sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it's kind of indicative of how critics think about it. Therefore, it's kind of indicative of how all these award shows are going to think about it. Which and and by that respect, it is unfortunately very sad. That mm-hmm. that's what's happening with a movie like this. Um, I would like to see it be nominated for more stuff. I don't think it necessarily has to has to win. I think there's a lot of other good contenders, but uh, you know, still recognize it just by giving it a nomination. Definitely, I think Shirsha and Margot both individually have put on amazing performances for the both to get recognized for the acting. Absolutely, I, I think like... Shirsha for lead because she was definitely more of the lead than Margot. She's the titular character. Yeah. For sure. Well, that about wraps it up for us. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on this movie. What should it be nominated for? Uh, Also, how well do you know the history? How well did you like the movie? All that stuff. You know, anything you want to talk about, we appreciate it, and we encourage you to put it in the comments section. If you want to interact with us more directly, you can follow at Serafini TV. That's right. I'm at Phil Svitek. We will be doing Ben is Back... And believe it or not, that will actually be just due to timing reasons, right? Talk about timing with uh, Mary and Elizabeth. Here at Anatomy and the studio and so forth with holidays, the timing worked out as such that Ben is Back is going to be our final, final movie of 2018, Mm -hmm. which I know leaves a lot of movies uncovered until we come back in 2019. So we're going to get to those. be backlogged for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do our best to, to get back on track. But in the meantime, fear not. There's lots of stuff you can look f- for. And uh, you know, we've done over 500 movies at this point. So as you catch up on on those, you can you can check it out. Also, quick shout out: Merce and I did a, a show this week, Adapted, which mm-hmm. we've been doing for quite a while. It's over on BookCircleOnline.com. And it, it, we talk about books that have been turned into movies. The, this month we did Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So if you appreciate books, if you like that movie, I think that's a fun. And, and if you like what we do here, it's very similar in nature to that. Very heady, I might say, if I'm being complimentative. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Anyway, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful year. Uh, we'll see you with Ben is back if you join us for that. But if not, have a great rest of your 2018. See you in 2019. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 